Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictive compulsive behaviors. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Maria Javed Payne is a licensed independent clinical social worker, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, certified brain spotting trainer and consultant, In her clinical practice, she offers somatic psychotherapy, brain spotting therapy, and psychedelic assisted therapy. She is the owner of Awaken Consulting Services and co-owner of Institute for Integrative Therapies. So welcome, Maria. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we could could finally make this work. This has been, I think, at least a year or two. I don't even know. I think we talked in 2020, right when COVID COVID was happening, (laughs) kicking off. So (laughs) Three years then. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's been kind of a time warp during the pandemic. So it doesn't surprise me that I thought it was a year or two, but it's actually three. (laughs) So I'm glad that we can finally share the time and so glad that you can be with us. Yeah, thank you. So the first question I have for you today is, is just to share with us about the work you do with addictions in your practice. Sure, absolutely. So I am a clinical social worker and a licensed alcohol and drug counselor uh, here in the state of Minnesota. And um, I've had a lot of different experiences working in the field. So uh, my history is, um, you know, working in different treatment centers, detox, and then I was the director of behavioral health at United Family Medicine, which was a federally qualified health center and a community health center. And I um, started their addiction programs there in conjunction with the medical providers. So we were uh, working on projects and creating programming for patients uh, struggling with opioid use and designing a medication-assisted therapy program where we were having the medical providers trained in how to offer Suboxone and other MAT Mm. services in conjunction with trauma therapy, including brain spotting specifically. So that was a really beautiful outpatient space that we made for clients and um, had them come in for groups as well as individual work. And, um, you know, since then, I have also held a private practice, um, which I'm more formally engaged in now uh, full-time. And I work with addiction through an intensive lens. So I don't do hourly sessions um, like a lot of therapists do or people are familiar with in the community. Um, the The work that I do is a, is a deep dive. So I have clients coming from 
um, you know, different states or here in Minnesota, they come and they stay for about a week. And we work every day for, you know, upwards of five to six hours um, with mm. break course. But we're working um, on the, the core roots of the addiction. And um, a lot of the time that's trauma related or, um, you know, the roots of that come from places where, you know, we felt really helpless or unable to sort of move past um, difficult challenges in our lives. So we typically do, you know, lots of brain spotting, a lot of um, uh, kind of rewriting the narrative and uh, working on building an internal structure of being able to self-soothe um, versus needing to use a substance or behavior to do that. It's a really beautiful time. I get to share mm. space with people in this, you know, approach. And I think that like I, I went into that space uh, because of one of my mentors, Robbie Abels, who, you know, taught me a lot about brain spotting and addictions. And uh, she used that model. Um, what's really nice about it is that when you're doing like hourly therapy, you know, once a week or every other week, there's a lot of space in between where the the dangers of the the addiction or the temptations or the cravings can, you know, be around and be very profound you know, to, to deal with. Um, but when you set aside uh, a big chunk of time where you're really creating a, a curated space to address this issue and, and um, you know, being willing to really go to the, to the depths of where it comes from and how to, how to work through it and, and live beyond it, um, that sacred time, if you want to call it that, is how I like to approach it. And I do like a very intensive intake with folks who are wanting to do this type of work to make sure that it's a, an appropriate fit. And we go from there. The other thing, the other way that I've been working with addictions um, and specifically sex addiction um, and porn addiction is through uh, ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So I'm um, one of the owners of Institute for Integrative Therapies here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and we are utilizing um, ketamine right now, and we'll utilize the other psychedelic you know, medicines as they become available. Um, and I've had I've had uh, a lot of clients really heal from and be able to break some of the the patterning by using um, ketamine and this approach as well. Wow. I, I wanted to mention two things. So you mentioned core roots of addiction, and I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because so many of our listeners, my clients will ask why, why, why did I end up with these addictive compulsive behaviors? And so I'm wondering if we could address that in, in a nutshell, if you could, but, but I think that's a really important topic. Yeah, that's a, a big topic with probably a lot of um a lot of insights from a lot of professionals in this um in this field, but you know, typically I've been working in this field for the last 14 years and um I'm a person in recovery myself. So, um I've been sober for just about that much time, 14 years, and I think what I've seen over and over again about the roots, uh, oftentimes trauma is a, a a core root, and that can be, 
you know, physical, emotional, sexual, mental, um, you know, those are the common like things that we think about with trauma, but it can also be misattunement or neglect, um, developmental, you know, when you were growing up and you didn't have your emotional needs, you know, seen or met, um, or heard. And a lot of clients, you know, I've worked with come in and they're like, I have no idea why I ended up this way. And when we really start to, you know, tease out their history, they begin to find out like, oh, yeah, some things did happen to me. And um, it doesn't have to be like a severe, you know, abuse history. It can be this ongoing kind of misattunement or other um, pieces of like just living life that we need in order to be healthy relationships, um, having a stable environment, you know, your socioeconomic needs met. And the more levels of instability there are, I think there's more of a chance for folks to develop, you know, what we call ritualized self-soothing behaviors. I don't even like to use the word addiction um, that often anymore, because although it can be a helpful label um, to some, I think it's also connected to a lot of stigma. And, you know, behaviors that are compulsive typically have to do with, you know, feelings of helplessness or feelings of not having control. And it's a way to self-soothe. So, um, you know, the de-stigmatizing de of that is so crucial. I love that ritualized self-soothing. Being in recovery myself from, from compulsive sexual behavior, I um, have, I don't use the term sex addiction anymore. And I, I, I use compulsive sexual behavior, but I love ritualized self-soothing because that's so descriptive and so accurate. Mm -hmm. So I may have to borrow that from you and, and take it. I didn't, come <laughs> well, it's been it's, passed down to me. <laughs> right. As, as it always is. Right. Um, I just also wanted to let you know that uh, Robbie was a guest on the podcast quite a while ago. And um you're doing trainings together and, and our buddies. And I, I just love that we're all part of the same family, really. It's a wonderful community, the, the brain spotting. So share a little bit about your work with brain spotting, starting with how you even started um, getting trained in it originally and what a brain spotting intensive is all about and, and whatever you'd like to share about it. Sure. Yeah, that's a... A special story, brain spotting really was like a big pivot point in my life. Um, so as I mentioned, I was, I'm a person in recovery and I um, had done a lot of therapy, lots and lots of therapy since I was a teenager, um, had been to eight treatment centers, was in and out of institutions for two, two or three years in my, the darkest parts of my my own um, addiction. And I was seven years in recovery when I discovered brain spotting as a client. So I had a friend who had, you know, done a brain spotting session with someone and told me like, oh, hey, I did this cool therapy called brain spotting. And I was like, that's intriguing. Um, and so I uh, looked for a therapist and, you know, made an appointment and I did my first session um, and I felt after I walked out of that session that I had just done about six months worth of therapy in one hour. <laughs> and I remember walking out that day and being like, 
where the hell has this been my whole like where was this all this time <laughs> and um i kept going back and i went back every week and i still continued to receive brain spotting as a client um i had brain spotting weekly for probably 4 years and i have to give it so much credit for helping me heal from so many of the traumas that I was carrying that we just couldn't touch with talk therapy or other forms of therapy in the past. Um, so this accelerated process of healing began to happen for me. And I started to feel more connected to my body, more connected to my my um, consciousness and just like safer in the world because that was something I, I never had an experience of my whole life. Um, and being feeling safe in your own being is such a powerful shifting point when you can help people, you know, get to that space. I was so intrigued. I was still in grad school at the time, actually, when I was a client, you know, in my first session. And I remember like a week later, I, I looked up on the internet, you know, how does one get trained in brain spotting? Like, what does it take? And ironically, the universe put put it right in front of me that a phase one training was happening like a month or two later <laughs> here in St. Paul. And I signed up, um, I signed up for phase one and phase two. And I remember going to that training and just, it felt like I was at this big pivot point of like, this is going to be a huge part of my life somehow. I don't know how, um, and I took it and I ran with it and I used it with clients. And I was then able to bring that into a leadership position at the hospital I was working at, um, the clinical clinic I was working at. And uh, I became a consultant. I was all in. I was eating, drinking, sleeping, dreaming, brain spotting, you know, the addictive ways, right? You get into something you like and I was all in. But luckily, this was something about healing and um you know, recovery. And yeah, I became a consultant. And then um, a few years later, I was able to be become a trainer, which is one of the greatest honors of my life to be in a space of, you know, being a, a, an addict on the street, you know, houseless, uh, traumatized, you know, doing all sorts of things that we do in order to, you know, get the fix that we need. And um, and really broken. Like I was really, really broken. Like many of us experience that sense of hopelessness, helplessness, um, suicidal ideation, all of those things. And um, now being in a position of giving that offering back, you know, is it's one of the greatest honors of my life. And I don't, I don't take it lightly. <laughs> um, I have a training tomorrow, you know, and I'm just like all day I've been getting ready and um, preparing and being in the sacredness of it all, really being in the sacredness of the power of healing and all of the people that helped me get here, you know, David Grand and Robbie Abels and um, many of the other trainers, Jeff Ryan, Steve Sawyer, and mentors and elders and supports helping in that way. Like when we feel so isolated and in addiction, um, the the they they sort of represent this like family in a way right uh, or a community the communal aspect of it so yeah I'm just really grateful to be in this position and hope I can live a life of service and humility and um 
and enjoy enjoy the connections that are made over the years. It, it puts such a smile on my face because even though I don't know you well, I can feel the the dedication and the commitment and the love and the um, it's palpable. And you know, in my own way, I've, I've integrated brain spotting into my practice. But I love that basically you you've come from the streets to being of service and giving back. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you. You know, thank you so much for doing this work and for dedicating yourself in, in this way. It's just, it gives me goosebumps actually. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get here alone. That's for sure. <laughs> had a few people right. throughout, throughout the way, like hopefully all of us um, can, you know, that, nudged along and said, Hey, you can, you can do it. You're worth it. And seeing things in, you know, helping you see things in yourself that you can't without that attunement, without that reflection, that mirroring back. So yeah, it's definitely a gift. Yeah. So shifting gears a bit, I want to come back to what you said about ketamine, because here in Los Angeles, ketamine clinics, um, psychedelic assisted therapies um, are, are popping up all over. And as we know, it's such a growing edge for, for our industry, for our healing work that we do. And, and yet there's limitations legally and ethically. And so if you could just walk us through the process of, if somebody is curious about ketamine, as something to help either their, their compulsive behaviors or their depression or, or, or combination usually of those things, how would you talk to them about ketamine and help them make an, an informed decision? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing I'll say about that is the, the design of the way that we approach doing this work with psychedelics. Um, so I know that there's a lot of infusion centers and things popping up and our model isn't that our model is really based on relationship and attunement because that's the the biggest factor and driver in all healing, I believe. Um, so the way that our model is set up is that, you know, from that initial call that a, a client might make, um, that connection, that relationship, that attunement begins and we're really trying to figure out what is helpful for each individual, whether it's ketamine or whether it's something else. So we have uh, an assessment that we do, a diagnostic assessment that the therapist does initially. Um, and then we do a medical evaluation. So we clear both mental health wise and medically if the client is appropriate for, uh, for this path. And once that happens uh, and the client is cleared, we then go into a process of preparation. So we might do, you know, two to four sessions of diving into what's, you know, happening for the client. What are we wanting to work on? And then again, going to the roots, like here's this opportunity to have this catalyst on board, which is the medicine, the psychedelic. And um, we can really go all in because we have the support of that medicine to, to allow us to do that. Um, so in preparation, we're really looking at 
um, intentions and affirmations also of like, what's the, the outcome that you hope to have. And, um, we take all of that into the, the actual medicine session. Then, um, clients create these beautiful altars, uh, for them, for the, in the room. So they bring in, um, different, uh, items and objects and mementos, meaningful things to them. And we do an invocation ceremony for them to really connect with, with what they've brought in and it's in the centerpiece of the room. Mm. Um, they will oftentimes write this affirmation on a cardstock that's also center of the centerpiece. And then we guide them into that process of not only like connecting with the goal that they have, but also surrendering is a big part of doing psychedelic work is about surrender and not having control and allowing that deeper uh, healing intelligence to emerge Mm. Um, and uh, the medical provider is present as well as the therapist. The therapist stays the entire time, um, but we send off the client together and we receive the client at the end together, all of us together. Um, so that landing and then helping them kind of integrate back into, you know, their, this reality, this 3d reality that we're in. Um, and then having some integration sessions afterwards with the therapist to mm. take all of the, the, learnings from that session or whatever emerged and weaving it into your actual practical life. The beauty with ketamine, it's an atypical psychedelic, but the beauty of ketamine is that it's relatively safe. So um, for most bodies, it's relatively safe. It's been around for a lot of years and used worldwide. Um, and it's also a profound antidepressant has a profound antidepressant effect, um, an anti-anxiety effect. So clients typically feel this immediate sense of relief, immediate calm, and they can then access the things that were troubling them in a different way where they're not in fight or flight. Right. So, um, it's an opportunity, like I said, a catalyst where it can, it's the key that opens the door for us to be able to do deeper work and make all these changes. There's a window for 10 to 14 days after one has um, used ketamine where there is an increase in glutamate in the, in the body. So ketamine stimulates glutamate and glutamate is the, um, a substance in the body that creates learning opportunity. So like our the the neurons in our brain they're connected and have more more glutamate mm. they create more tendrils and more um roots in the axons to connect with one another so why it's so important for us to add therapy to this process if you're going to an infusion you're going to get that antidepressant effect but unless you're really working on creating new behavioral pathways and new ways of thinking and working on the narrative, um, it won't last. But if we can actually use that opportunity that we have in that window to offer different ways of thinking, different ways of behaving, you know, adding new habits, um, then those neural networks fuse in that good way. So, um, I'm seeing some really profound things with clients. I was originally, I'm skeptical about everything. So I was like, I don't know about this. I did the mm -hmm. training and all that. And I'm like, I don't mm -hmm. know about this. And um, I got into it. I kind of like to be learning, you know, the newest things that are out there to help people. And and then I started working with with clients and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is 
This is really profound. Um, so yeah, if you're somebody who's interested and wants to know more, do your research um, and really focus on the relationship with your providers. And if it feels like you're being attuned to and connected with and that they're on this journey with you um, and you you can clear yourself medically and, you know, mental health wise to, um, to use ketamine. I think it's a very powerful opportunity to create a, a mindset shift. I really appreciate the focus on the attunement and the relationship. Mm -hmm. And you kind of said this, but I want to emphasize that really the earlier wounds are about relationship and, and misattunement, right? The ruptures. So I really hear that there's this arc from that blueprint to, to the repair. And, and it just, your, your particular approach sounds so comprehensive and so thoughtful. And I hope we have similar programs. I need to learn more about it out here uh, to understand, but, but there's something about the heart that, that you bring to it that is, again, really palpable. Yeah, yeah. And Beautiful. thanks for mentioning that piece about uh, attachment. I didn't mention that earlier, that, you know, some of the core roots of, um, you know, addiction issues are so about attachment and early attachment rupture. And so we use that behavior or substance to, know almost as an attachment figure it's something that you can dependably like rely on for a while until it becomes unreliable similar to the insecure attachment patterns that we might have grown up with um so yeah it's, that's a huge element of all of this work is creating really the core of it i mean i tell i do a lot of consultation with therapists and um support the the team at IIT. We have about 23 therapists here doing psychedelic work. We have, you know, a handful of more uh, therapists starting out every few months and doing, um, you know, new cohorts with us. But I just emphasize over and over again, forget the technique, forget the brain spotting, you know, brain spotting, we use the pointer and we have all these eye positions, forget all of that. If you like. right. It's about you and your beingness with another human being and really mm -hmm. witnessing them, really seeing them for who they are and being mm -hmm. able to hold that and to hold the charge when, you know, trauma is coming out and emerging and having a body, you know, in ourselves, in our own bodies as professionals offering this work, this container that can hold all of life's experiences without judgment, without, um, falling into it, but really being in a place of groundedness and, um, and deep compassion. So I'm going to ask you the next question is what I consider the crystal ball question. So as we look into the future, what do you see? What, what is the future of addiction recovery, addiction healing, addiction um, professionalism, whatever that might be, that, that is coming down the pike? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think about that a lot, actually. Um, I think that psychedelic assisted therapy is probably going to be the next normal way of working with um, mental health and addiction. Um, it's not appropriate for 
all substance use or other addictions, um, all of the skills that we know as professionals to support our clients, we need to use to help stabilize folks. But I think that there are some medicines that, you know, right now are being researched like LSD and psilocybin for, you know, alcohol use and other, other um, issues. And there's promise there. And typically the profile of most psychedelics is that they're not addictive and, you know, unbeknownst like we often think, oh, it's a drug. And um, even in the recovery community, there's a lot of hesitance with, you know, partaking in, in this type of work. But I think that there's a lot of promise there. My prayer, my hope is that the addiction community and field will really shift into more of a space of non-judgment. Um, over the years working in this space, so many clients have been abandoned in treatment, um, kicked out. Oh, I relapsed. You know, I got kicked out of my sober living. I got kicked out of inpatient and they've bounced around. And that's just another attachment rupture. And it's just recreating that same trauma wound. And so I hope that structurally we can create spaces where that type of non-judgment and unconditional regard um, can, can happen. And I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard as a professional to, to be in that um, place, but I'm seeing, I'm hoping that that you know, will happen. I'm also seeing a lot around groups like the crystal ball is showing me that <laughs> our, our future of healing is is collective. I think that a lot of the Western way is to do things individually, you know, individual, you know, the rugged individual. That's what the United States has been kind of based off of. And I think that it's not working. I think it works for a period of time or for some, but there's this loss of connection that comes with addiction, right? And so what do we do? We reconnect and how do we learn how to be with one another again, um, aside or beyond from what separates us. So I'm seeing like group work and retreats and spaces in nature, mm -hmm. uh, communal gatherings. I'm seeing uh, the structure of society, you know, change where we destigmatize. Um, and I think psychedelics will really offer this big catalyst and push because that's what they do. You know, we go beyond that neocortical and expand into the the subcortex where all of our creativity and, you know, the dreaming lives. And I think the more people who utilize this will be able to then have more creativity to find solutions to problems that we've been struggling with. I also hope that we start to use more somatic approaches in therapy and in the medical profession and um, perhaps shift away from like, oh, here, take this pill or take take this, you know, MAT alone, right, and go into integrating care. Um, I've done care integration, you know, in a in a large mental, medical facility, and it's hard mm -hmm. because we're so used to being siloed. Yeah. So true integration is about not creating a hierarchy like oh medical's here mental health's over here but seeing people as complete beings and that these different layers that we have are all connected and one isn't like greater or um you know less than than the other um so that's that's my crystal ball prediction 
I love it. That sounds fantastic. Let, let's only hope that that the majority of what you just shared can come to fruition. I've got um, my fingers crossed. <laughs> me too. Fingers and toes, actually. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so last question. If, if there's a particular takeaway that you would like our listeners to be able to make portable from our conversation today, what, what might that be? I think it's my my deepest value or philosophy or belief is that every single person has the capacity to heal and it's in you it's your it's the life force so if you're alive you have it researching finding looking searching for what you feel you know in your heart in your gut in your mind is going to help you and and to not ever give up i mean if my story is any can be a salve for anyone that it's possible um if you commit to your life and to yourself um this this ch choosing to um go on a different path even if you have no idea how even if you feel like there's no way out that, you know, what you seek seeks you. Um, and if you're, if you seek it, I, I hope and pray that it'll come sooner than later. Um, and to also know that the world is a really big place and there's so many different healing modalities out there. And so if one isn't working for you to keep searching for the, for other things that can help and and follow what you're drawn to. So that innate kind of intuition that you have inside to follow that, that's your inner healer. That's your, the, the wisdom within. Um, so I think that's what I would say. Well, on that very touching note, I, I, I so appreciate you joining me today. And I, I truly, it's a pleasure to have you here and, and to share everything that that's going on for you personally and for your programs in, in both in Minneapolis and in, I guess, Eden Prairie, I heard, and, and, and brain spotting, which I know you, you take on the road. So um, I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point or another. And I, I wish you only the best. So take good care. Likewise, Andrew, thank you so much for having me sharing space. Thanks for listening today. It was so wonderful sharing the time with my colleague and friend, Maria Javed Payne, and discussing this really meaningful and cutting edge topic. She can be reached through her website at awakenconsultingservices.com. And if you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time, and don't forget to stay connected.